be peace there will be peace when the people of the world want it so badly that their governments will have no choice but to give it to them tell Santa what I want for Christmas and some peace and quiet that's what I want for Christmas definitely world peace that's easy world peace what is the one most important thing our society needs that would be harsher punishment for parole violators Stan And world peace. Uh. It's so peaceful up there. I want some peace and quiet. Well, I'll be quiet. I'll be peace. <laughs> <laughs> How many would like some peace? I'd like to welcome you this week in the Cathedral of Faith. We're beginning a brand new series called Battle for the Mind, in which we believe God wants to give us peace. Amen? In fact, Paul writes to Timothy in his second epistle to him these words, Peace be with you from God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to declare that over you. Peace be with you from God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. This weekend we're going to be talking about a mindset of peace. How to have that mindset that will help us through whatever life throws at us. There's going to be difficult moments. There's going to be circumstances beyond our control. There's going to be things we didn't plan on. But our goal this weekend is to have a mindset of peace through Jesus, whatever, whatever, whatever life brings. Let's say that together. To have a mindset of peace through Jesus, whatever life brings. I don't know what you're facing, what you're dealing with, but in the next four weeks, we want to talk about the importance of mental health, what the Word has to say to it, how can we walk with each other through these moments, how can we have victory to overcome and walk in peace. In fact, I want to invite you to stand with me. We're going to look at the word of the Lord that Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 4. This is a group of people that he loved very much, and he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and therefore, not only is this the word of the Lord from Paul to the Philippians, it's the word of the Holy Spirit to you and to me this weekend. Follow along as I read from Philippians chapter 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, 
And I will say it again, why it's hard to get, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And if you do, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. God wants to give you peace. And as you're being seated, turn to two or three people and say, peace be with you. And also with you. Well, I want to start off first of all by talking about our state of mind. We all deal with stuff. Mental health issues abound. But I believe that even though in some ways we're all similar, there are also differences. In fact, I want to talk about some of those differences. This is my guy. Guys think about things a little differently. What happens, let me peel this away. Guys have all these little boxes in their head. There is a box for everything. There is a box for work. There's a box for car. There's a box for relationships. There's all these boxes. Men go into one box and there's only one thing in that box. That's why when a guy's at work, he's at work. When a guy's tinkering in the garage, he's tinkering in the garage. When he's watching television, he's just watching television. That's it. One thing in each box, and he goes into that box and carefully brings it up and puts it back in place. None of these boxes touch. They're all separated because they don't go together. Well, (laughs) girl, looks like she had a rough night. (laughs) Women process things a little differently. There's this network of wires. And if you try to follow one wire, it intersects all these other wires. And all of a sudden, you're on a different wire because everything's connected to everything. The house is connected to the kids. It's connected to work, connected to the car, connected to finance. It's connected to you. It's all connected. And here's the problem. When a woman needs to figure out stress, she's got to talk about it. Because by talking about what's going on and what's happening here and what's happening there, what she's feeling, what's happening, circumstances, somehow the answer just sort of bubbles up. Now, one of the problems in relationships between men and women is this. Because men have this little box back here with no words in it. It's called the nothing box because there's nothing in it 
And given an opportunity, he will go to that nothing box every time. That's why a man can seemingly for hours do nothing. And it drives her crazy because nothing drives a woman crazier than a man doing nothing. Now, UCLA did a study, and here's what they discovered. Men can do nothing and still breathe. <laughs> Women can't do it. If they aren't trying to figure out what's going on, if they can't talk, their head will explode. So here's what happens. She sees him over there on the couch. This is a good time to find out what he's worrying about. What are you thinking about? <laughs> Nothing. That's not possible. How can you be thinking about nothing? I'm thinking about nothing. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's trying to figure out what's going on. And so she starts trying to put all the pieces together. And what about this? And what about this? And this is happening. This happened. This happened here. And this happened there. This is going to happen. What, what are we going to do with this? And so his great solution is, well, hey, if you want to get rid of that anxiety, just stop talking about it. Just stop thinking about it. <laughs> we all process stress and anxiety differently. And while that might be extreme exaggerations about how we all function, we all deal with situations that can bring worry. And here's what worry is. Worry is to allow one's mindset to center on actual or potential difficulty. Notice those two words, mindset and center. And it can be on real difficulties, but it can just be on potential difficulties. What if? What if this happens? What if that happens? Let me talk to you about some of the downsides of worry. There are quite a few of them. One of them is it takes away contentment. Worry takes away peace. Worry shifts my focus from faith to fear. Worry weighs me down spiritually. Worry weighs me down emotionally. Worry weighs me down socially. Worry weighs me down physically. Worry just drains us. The hormones that get dumped into our brain when we worry actually shrinks our brain. It can bring on Alzheimer's and cancer and dysfunction and all kinds of things. And yet we worry. Now let me talk to you for a minute about the upsides of worry. The, the upsides of worry are, wait, where are they? Oh, that's right, there are none. And yet, we worry. In fact, if you look at worry, here's some of the percentages of the things we worry about. It says that 40% of the things we worry about never even happen. 40%. 30% of things we worry about are things of the past that you can't even change. So you're worrying about something that's long gone. 12% of things people worry about are health problems that never usually occur. Thank you, WebMD. Everything on there leads to cancer and brain tumors. 10% of things we worry about are petty miscellaneous worries. Did I leave the iron on? Did I feed the dog? Did I lock the door? Petty miscellaneous worries. 
Only 8% of worries are really worth worrying about. 90% of our worries are insignificant. Nothing we can do about them. And yet we worry. Now I have good news and bad news. The bad news is anxiety and worry doesn't go away by itself. But the good news is, with God's help, we can overcome. And this weekend, that's what we want to do. Figure out how to work through our anxieties, our fears, our worries in a way that brings life to us. And that's why I want to talk about a change of mind. What is that renewing of our mind, that change of mind that God wants to bring to us? There are a lot of issues in life. Emotional issues, circumstantial issues, chemical imbalance issues. There's a lot of need for us. And God's provided pastors and preachers and provided scriptures and services. God's provided doctors and psychiatrists and counselors. He's provided all these things to help us. But what if I were to tell you this weekend we spared no expense? We brought in the best counselor in the entire world. And this counselor is going to sit down with you free of charge. In fact, that's what Jesus says in John 14 when he says, the counselor, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the best in the whole world, whom the Father will send in my name, he's going to teach you how to deal with all your anxieties, worthies. He's going to bring to your remembrance everything I've said to you. He's going to help you know what to think about. And here's what he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Here's the truth. The Holy Spirit, the great counselor, comes to speak life into us. Now, I don't know about you, but I hear that thing, don't be anxious about anything, and part of me can feel like, oh no, now I'm anxious that I'm anxious. <laughs> it's like, don't be anxious, Wayne, like, but I'm anxious. And it's like, oh, and now I'm anxious that I'm anxious that I'm anxious. The Holy Spirit is not up there some kind of judge saying, hey, Wayne, stop being anxious, you ninny. Why are you doing that? You're such a loser. No, the Holy Spirit comes gently to say to each one of us, look, I can handle this. Let me help you through this worry. Let me help you through this fear. Let me help you through this anxiety. In fact, let me talk through the background of this passage in Philippians chapter 4. Paul was very strategic in his life and in his ministry. And one of the things that he had as a dream on his Imagine Living Your Dream list was he wanted to go to Rome and preach. And the reason he wanted to go to Rome, if you've studied history at all, you know that all roads lead to Rome. Rome was the center. It was the Silicon Valley of that generation. Everybody of influence, everybody with power, everybody with anything to offer was in Rome. They were influencing the world and Paul thought, if I can just get to Rome and preach, I can change the world because I can affect leaders, I can affect influencers, I can make a big difference. But the problem is, Paul did get to Rome, but not as a preacher, but as a prisoner. He writes this when he's in prison. Talk about anxious. Every day he never knew, is this the day that they're going to take my life? Every day he didn't know. Month after month he waited and waited. And he's writing this book to the Philippians who were also dealing with anxiety because they were being persecuted. Every day somebody else was being carried off and killed for their faith. There's a lot of reason for anxiety going on. And yet, here's what he writes. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. 
But in every situation you face, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, here's what to do instead of being anxious. Present your request to God. And if you do, here's what he says is going to happen. The peace of God, which makes no sense to us in the human flesh, transcends all understanding. That peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's the change of mind he wants us to have this weekend. He wants us to have the right perspective on what we're dealing with, the right perspective on the emotional pressures and the physical pressures and the internal mental pressures we face. He wants to give us the right mindset. And here's what a mindset is. A mindset is how you see something. How you see something. And when we have a mindset of peace, what he's saying is I want you to have a mindset that helps you have peace no matter what you're dealing with. Because God, who knows all, is over all, has all power, is in control, says, if you'll let me help you, you won't have to be so overwhelmed, so fearful, so anxious, so full of worry. God wants to give us peace of mind. Peace of mind. In fact, I'm going to invite the tech team to come out and help me just a moment. They've got some props for us that we're going to help go through this third point. Let's hear for the tech team. Yeah. God wants to give us peace of mind. And what I want to do is give you an image to help you on that journey to walking in the peace of mind that God has for you. This is his promise for you. And here's how it goes. First of all, life happens. Life can come at us hard. There can be tough things that happen. And when something happens that we don't expect, that we don't like, that is hurtful, painful, frustrating... We have two options. Where are we going to focus? Am I going to focus on me or am I going to focus on Jesus? Here's what that means. Where I focus is what's in control, what's in the center. If I'm in the center of my life and it's all about me and what I'm doing and what I feel and what I think and what's happening in my life, then what's going to happen is when life comes, I'm going to have fear. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if that doesn't take place? What if this person does this? What if they don't text back? What if I can have fear when I'm the one in the center. But if I've put Jesus in control, then I'm going to have faith no matter what happens. So here's what takes place. I either have me in control or I have Jesus in control. You see, Jesus doesn't just want to be in the back seat like for good luck. He's there, maybe he'll keep me safe and nobody will hit me and I won't have a flat tire and everything will go really well. And I'll go to church every once in a while and just keep him back there in the back seat. No, that's not what his plan is. His plan isn't even to be in the passenger seat so you can ask him questions every day while you're still driving the car. The whole point of putting your focus here is Jesus says, let me take the wheel. If you let me direct your life, if you let me be center in your life, if you let me be the focus in your life when things happen, I can guarantee you you're not going to end up on this path. Because here's what happens. If I'm in the center, I'm in control, then I start to have fear. Fear will respond in worry. I'll like, how's this going to work? I don't know. And we start to worry. And worry ultimately leads to anxiety. But there's another option. Because if my focus, no matter what comes at me, 
Somebody does or says something, a circumstance comes up, a diagnosis comes up, my kid chooses something, my spouse chooses something. If my focus is on Jesus, then what happens is my my outcome is faith, and I respond by saying, God, if you don't help me, I want to focus on you. And when I bring it to God in prayer, peace happens. And my prayer is that we'll learn how to take this path so that whatever life brings, peace will happen in us. Now the good news is, at any point in this progression, I can take away to the other path. In fact, here's what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, we must keep our eyes on Jesus who leads us and makes our faith complete. Another translation is this. We must focus on Jesus, the source and goal of our faith. If I find myself just thinking about poor me and what's going with me and what hasn't happened for me and what keeps happening to me, I have to look to Jesus, put my focus on Jesus, and then I end up with faith. Rather than just thinking about me, that gives way to my worst fears, which gives way to worry, which gives way to anxiety. At any point in this downward slide to anxiety, God gives me truth to move me a different direction. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't rely on your own understanding. Again, another translation, trust in the Lord or have faith in the Lord with all your heart and never rely on what you think you know. I mean, how many times do you text somebody that don't take you back and say, oh, they must be mad, they must be mad, they must be mad and find out they're in a movie. You know, because we're focused on us. And it leads to fear. Oh no, what did I do? It's like, they don't like me anymore. It's like, oh no. It's like, what should I do? What am I going to say to them? It's like, oh, well, they're in a movie. (laughs) Trust in the Lord. Put your faith in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on what you think you know. Here's something important. Faith and control can't coexist. I can either have faith in what God's going to do, or I can take control. But if I take control, it starts this downward spiral anxiety. And here's what I want to ask you. Next time you're dealing with life, circumstances, frustrations, here's the question for you. Are you praying about it? Are you praying about it more than you're worrying about it? Are you praying about it? Are you bringing it to this place of prayer more than this place of worry? Now, I can say, oh God, please help. And then I, for the next 15 hours, tell 15 people an hour each, what's going on and how unfair it is and what they did and what they said and how's it all work. That's not praying. That's worrying, especially when they keep saying, oh, you're right, that's so horrible. They're so mean. I wouldn't like them either. <laughs> now, one of the key things is we do need support. We do need relationships to deal with fear, anxiety. We need each other. We need life-giving relationships that will help point us toward peace rather than toward more anxiety. It's so bizarre because you can be watching a television show, you can be watching a movie, and all of a sudden this image gets in your head. Something happens, like, ooh, what if that happens to me? You never would have thought of that, but then you saw it, and then all of a sudden, oh no. Here's an interesting irony about giving up control. One of the first steps to giving up control, being in the center, focusing on yourself, is learning how to control your thoughts. 
Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Instead, you're just judging by appearances. We can judge by what we think we know, but he's telling, take captive your thoughts. Just because you think it, just because it feels true, just because you think it's true doesn't mean it is true. What do you do if you get on a channel that you don't like? You change the channel. If you're getting into a destructive, worrisome, fearful, anxious way of thinking, you change the channel. I don't have to believe it just because I got this thought. They don't text back. All of a sudden it's like, oh, they don't like me anymore. They must be mad. Nobody likes me. What if nobody ever likes me again? All of a sudden we're going off with all these thoughts. And here's an interesting truth. Life always moves in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Let's say that together. Life always moves in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Whatever you keep thinking about is where your life's headed. That's why it says to Job, the thing I feared came upon me. You keep thinking and thinking and thinking, you know what? Your strongest thoughts are going to direct your life. But here's the good news. We all have things that produce fear in us. They could be real or imagined. But here's what God's plan for fear is. Did you know God created fear for a reason? And here's what that reason is. Our fear is pointing us to what we need to know about God. Let's say that together. Our fear is pointing us to what we need to know about God. So all of a sudden I get here and I'm like, I don't have faith. It's like, I don't believe it can happen. I'm not sure what's going to happen. God says, who do you think I am? And I realize God's faithful. That's what I'm missing. He's faithful. When I see how faithful he is, he never changes. He has all power. He knows all things. He's got me in his hand. He cares about me. All of a sudden, I can't help but move up to have faith. I get a diagnosis. I need to know that God's my healer. That God who can do anything, even the impossible, when I focus on who he is as the healer, I start to have faith instead of fear. When my finances start to overwhelm me, I'm going to go bankrupt, I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to lose my house. Oh no, how's this all going to work? God says, let me remind you who I am. I'm your provider. So our fear is, the purpose of fear is to show us who God is. And if we get a revelation of who God is, then all of a sudden we see him, our focus is there, and we start to have faith. Here's what to ask yourself when you start to experience fear. What do I need to know about God? What is the revelation of who God is that will move me from fear to faith? That's the best thing you can do when you find yourself moving here. God, what is the revelation of you I need right now? Show me who you are. And here's why. Because some of our best blessings, some of our best blessings are on the other side of our fear. You might be here today, but on the other side of that fear is a great blessing when you know who he is and what he wants to do with you. That's why Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 4, be careful, be very careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. What you think about is what you become. And that's why being with brothers and sisters who encourage us, coming to church, reading the scriptures, 
finding help through counselors and doctors, making sure that we line ourselves up with the Word of God. Those are the thoughts we take captive to replace with the right kind of thoughts. Our best weapon is having the right thoughts. In fact, the next phrase, some of you might want to take a picture of this one with your camera. Go ahead and get them out. This is it. It says, I don't have to believe everything I think. Let's say that together. I don't have to believe everything I think. Just because you get that thought doesn't mean it's true or it's right. Sometimes you've got to replace that thought with the truth. The enemy loves to put fears and worries and anxieties in us. God's plan is I want to give you peace. I want you to have my peace no matter what happens, no matter what anybody else does, no matter what you find out, I want you to walk in peace. That's why Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 these words. He says, do not worry about tomorrow. Seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness and everything else to be added to you. Instead of worry, we can leave that worry box and seek his kingdom. When we start to feel worries, I can seek him and ask him for his health. That's why, again, our passage this weekend from Paul in Philippians 4 says this. Don't be anxious about anything, but instead of anxiety, pray. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. The peace of God, which makes no sense to anybody else. It transcends understanding. It's going to guard your hearts and minds. That word for guard is not like a prison guard keeping you captive. It's like a guard who's there to protect you. You stand on the foundation of Jesus and peace comes as a guard to guard your heart against all the potential lies and worries, anxieties. So instead, don't worry. Instead, by everything with prayer, let your request be made to God and and then the peace of God, which makes no sense, will rule in your life. That's how that process works. That's why God's provided the opportunity for us to come every weekend to declare in truth and worship, to hear the word of the Lord, to fellowship with each other. I want to share with you about something that happened to me earlier this year. It was my privilege earlier this year to go with a team from our cathedral family and we went to the Philippines and we had an amazing time. We have two campuses there and it was a great moment for us. We actually saw 7,000 people come to Christ. It's pretty amazing. And is it 7,000 people? But the very first day I got there, my wrist started to hurt really bad. And I'm like, really? Arthritis can come on this fast? So I wasn't going to tell anybody in the team because I thought, I'm not admitting that I have an aging disease. But when I woke up the next morning, my wrist was paralyzed. It was super swollen, and there was this red line going up my arm. What had happened is I'd been bitten by a spider, and I didn't know it. And one of the nurses on the team, Alexa, said, you have sepsis. You've got 48 hours. If this gets to your heart, you're done. Sure enough, WebMD said the same thing. <laughs> this is it. I took a picture. I sent it to my Kaiser doctor. Yay, Kaiser. Ten minutes later, he emailed back. And he said, you need a really strong antibacterial antibiotic. Or this could be life-threatening. Amazingly, one of our team members, Aurora, had that very antibiotic with her. 
So I took a pill that afternoon. But I have to admit, that night, when I laid in bed, it was really rough. I wanted to have faith. I wanted to have peace, but I didn't. All these fears. How are they going to get my body back to the States? <laughs> I mean, I love the Philippines, but I just didn't think this is where I was going to die. It was a rough night. I cried. I called at God. I searched my heart, made sure there were no unconfessed sins. I did everything I could. And I'll show you how much fear I had. I wrote notes to my wife, my kids, my grandkids, and I laid them next to me in bed. So I thought, when they find my body in the morning, all these notes will be here. Um, it was a really hard night. I, I don't know when I'd had so much anxiety. And it's not like I'm not ready to be with the Lord. I mean, God, thank you. It's been a great life, and I'm grateful. But there was just all this fear and anxiety. And again, WebMD didn't help. Every time I looked, it said the same thing. You're going to die. And I couldn't sleep. It was rough. But what I did is I called my really good friend, Pastor Kent, who pastors our Gilroy campus. And even though we were 16 hours behind me, I'm like, dude, I'm really struggling here. I've got this red line. I sent him the picture. He's like, ooh, dude, that is bad. Um, but we started to talk. And I shared my struggles and my fears. And he prayed with me. And he encouraged me. And he gave scriptures to me. And we prayed together. And when I hung up, the song that we sang earlier in service just started echoing in my spirit. I know the night won't last. Your word, Lord, will come to pass. My heart will sing your praise again. Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. I've seen you move. You move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there seems to be no way, and I believe I'll see you do it again. I just kept singing that song, declaring the truth, focusing on his faithfulness, Here's the truth in that. There was something worth worrying about. <laughs> but as I shared with somebody, as we prayed, as I focused on who God is, as I took my meds, all those things worked together for God to give me peace. And that's really the same kind of process for us. Being here with brothers and sisters, worshiping the Lord is an important part of getting strength and wisdom and perspective on our circumstances. Focusing on who God is. Focusing on that revelation. He's my healer. He's my provider. He's my strength. He's my wisdom. He's grace. He's my forgiver. He's everything I need. When I focus on him, it moves me from that anxiety path to that faith path. I took my meds, which is important. God has supplied pastors 
and doctors. He supplied the scripture and psychiatrists. He supplied faith and fellowship. He's provided meds. All of that to help us process and work through our circumstances. In fact, I've got a prescription for you this weekend. Take twice daily. Matthew chapter 11 says this. Jesus actually says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will, I will give you rest. You can have peace. In fact, 1 Peter says, cast all, not just some, not just portions, but cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Not because he's all-powerful, he knows everything, but because he cares for you. And that's the truth. He cares about you. And he has you in his hands. I might not know the exact details of what life has thrown at you. The things you couldn't control, but I do know what you can control. You can control your mindset. God, help me to center in Jesus so that I can have faith to pray and receive peace rather than slipping down that path toward anxiety. In fact, King David prayed a great prayer that I think would be good for us to pray from Psalm 139. It says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Know the mindset of my heart. And then test me and know my anxious thoughts. What is the anxiety that you need to bring to the Lord? What is it you need to replace your anxious thoughts with? Again, that brings us back to this weekend's passage from Philippians 4. You want to know what to think about? Think about whatever is true. Think about whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything's excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This isn't about being in denial. This is about recognizing God's got this. He's got me. Lord, help me to focus in the right place so that I can focus on you, focus on the truth, focus on the words that I can take captive every thought and receive the power of Christ. Amen? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. There may be some of you this weekend, you've never made Jesus the controller, the center of your life. Maybe you've had him in the back seat to bring you advice every once in a while, be a good luck charm. But he's saying, you know what? I want to be your Lord. I want to be the leader of your life. I want to help lead your perspective, your mindset. I want to help lead how you see things. I want to help lead how you live. And if you'd like to make that decision this weekend to make Jesus the leader in the driver's seat, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. Yes, 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 yes. I'm going to invite everyone to pray with me. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you that you care for me. I ask you to be the center of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my worries. Forgive me of my anxieties. And help me to place you in the center. I thank you that because you care for me, I can trust you. Increase my faith in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give God thanks and praise for his faithfulness.